in a world overrun with an infinite amount of multiverses originating from a plethora of sources. A group of longtime friends band together and try to make sense of it all and present it to an audience in an easy to digest podcast. This is Geeking Off the Page. Greetings, geeks. Welcome to another episode of Geeking Off the Page. I'm Mike, and I'm part of the Terrible Triad. I'm Trevor, and I'm just happy to be here, I guess. And why not Gavberg? I'm here. Why not? Hey, Gavin. So, gentlemen, it's been a week. What have you guys been watching? What have you guys been been doing? The same thing we always watch, Pinky. No, I'm just watching Picard and Baruto. That's it. Nothing else. Gavin, what have you been watching? Anything interesting? Uh, well, the Amanda and I have been watching Taskmaster. I don't know if you guys have heard of this, but it's a, a British um, game show where uh, five comedians are basically given an assortment of uh, absolutely insane tasks. Um, Greg Davies is the is the host along, uh, along with Alex uh, Horn, both uh, ec- uh, excellent comedians. And then it just goes straight down, straight down the hill. So what kind of tasks? I've never heard of the show before. Oh, uh, last I heard, like, Taskmaster uh, was a female in the MCU. You have heard wrong. No, uh, the Taskmaster would be things like uh, get the most bounces out of a ball. The most bounces wins. And it's just pointless things. Uh, like the, the most flavorful dust. So the, cont- the contestants have to make something that's edible and tasty but looks like dust. This sounds like the and... stuff my kids watch on YouTube all day. <laughs> you realize it's... there's like 15 yep. seasons of this show. Yes, yes. There's there's a lot, and there's different ver- variations from. So are you uh, up to date? Are you on season version. 15? Fuck no. Okay. I'm like on season eight, maybe going on to season nine when Amanda gets back. <laughs> but uh, holy shit, there, there's 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 phrases and and uh, things that Amanda and I just. We'll just randomly shout out to each other. Like, uh, you know, one uh, one contestant throws a lime in the air and just shouts out, Lime! And then, that's it. There was an American version of it for one season back in 2018. Um, it got mostly positive reviews, but everyone's like, not as good as the original series. Oh no, because the the original, the British version, just drops f bombs left, right, and center. Yeah, this one was on looks like Comedy Central, and they don't like swearing. Well, they're missing out because the swearing in this is glorious. There were times somebody gets called a bell end; it's amazing. Uh, let's see what else. Um, I, I got pretty much almost the entire. Uh, six seasons of my hero academia uh that's uh anime that uh basically stars this uh this kid oh it's fan it's it's great i i like the sort of the superhero trope of basically everyone has powers but the ones that don't are kind of freaks and this uh you know the the kid the the main character uh he's uh he's been wishing and wishing and wishing for a quirk which is what the powers are called and uh, he ends up meeting the the version of Superman in this in the series who gives him a, a, a tiny, tiny, tiny fraction of his power. 
and it basically goes for uh, from there for to him uh, learning how to control his powers. Which in the beginning he basically demolishes his body every time he uses the power. So uh, it's if you haven't watched it, I I would say it's definitely a it's a good good superhero trope kind of thing. Uh, what else are we watching? Well. I, I I know Mike has washed his hands of the name Mandalorian, but I watched Mandalorian and then of course Picard. Has he had a bath yet? I mean, he went into the water and almost got eaten by the dragon, but he had his bath. Well, he's clearly bathed, so he is bathed now. He's clean, so now he's a happy Mandalorian that everybody likes. Is there anything happening in the story yet? Let me put it that way. We'll get to there. We'll get to there. I watched it too, so we'll talk about. Okay, it. Trevor, what were you watching? Um, let's see. Uh, Mandalorian. Okay, Mandalorian. let's hear what happened. Uh, Picard. Uh, I I did happen to. Well, see, it's funny. Disney Plus on my computer. Um, it doesn't matter what I watch. The very whatever I, I go for first, it'll do the little Disney logo, and then the whole thing freezes. And what I so what I have to do is trick it. And I found that if I start an episode of The Bad Batch. If I pause about five minutes, in, then I can watch anything else on Disney Plus and it doesn't freeze. I don't know why. There's probably a cookie somewhere on my computer that, you know, would could really use the services of a, of, of a blue Muppet. But in the meantime, it's the only thing I mean, it, I have to do it to make it work. So I ended up watching The Bad Batch, which I completely and absolutely regretted. Um, and then I watched Mandalorian, which I'll get into. But I also watched uh, the Puss in Boots, uh, the Final Wish movie with my kids, which okay, I heard it's amazing. I was gonna brush it off. I was. Um, my son it. went to see it. it. Trust and me. He was like, "Dad, this is awesome." I, what? It's awesome. And no, then I'll... all the reviews are like, "It's one of the best movies of the year." I'm gonna jump into it right now. So Puss Let's in Boots, go for it. Last Wish all revolves around the premise of cats have nine lives and puss has used eight of them frivolously, like killed himself off in stupid ways. So now he's on his ninth life, his ninth life and death has showed up and said, I'm taking it. I'm taking your ninth life. And, and he's, you know, he's terrified because he realizes without those lives kind of like in the bank sort of thing, he can't be as reckless. And he hears of a thing of there's a map to a star that fell on fell to earth and that star can grant one wish so obviously he's going to wish for more lives he's going to wish for his lives back and he's joined by kitty softpaws who's introduced in the other puss in boots movies who is voiced by selma hayek um and they so puss when he realizes he's on his last life he goes to the town doctor slash barber slash everything who says, all right, you're no longer Puss in Boots. We're going to put you in a retirement home for cats. And he goes, there's a cr crazy cat lady with like a bajillion cats. And he ends up getting like little paws on his boots. He buries his his boots and his hat and his sword and all that stuff. Puss in Boots is dead. He's now just this cat um, called Pickles because he gets a collar <laughs> called Pickles. And he meets up with all these other cats. And he meets up with a cat who's actually a dog. And this dog is uh, Perito, um, who is voiced by the guy who was Guillermo in What We Do in the Shadows. And he does it beautifully. Anyways, um, so this dog wants to be a therapy dog, but he's disguised as a cat because, well, free food. 
Um, anyways, so they learn of this map and they're like, all right, we got to go get this map. Well, at the same time, um, Goldilocks and the three bears are after the map because they want the wish. Goldilocks wants the wish. The bears think it's going to bring them all together and happy and they're going to have like a crime syndicate family. And Goldilocks just wants to meet up with her original family because she, she doesn't know her real mother and father. At the same time, as this is going on, little Jack Horner, who's now big Jack Horner, who runs a pie factory, wants the, the wish for himself because he wants all magic. All of it. All the magic to him. Um, and it's their, you know, their fun adventures as they go along. Um, and Kitty Softpaws is kind of disgusted with Puss in Boots because they were supposed to get married and he got cold feet and left and found out actually she didn't show up either because she figured she couldn't trust him. But she's kind of confused about why he's so wishy-washy. He's not as adventurous. And then he finally says, well, I'm on my last life and death is hunting me. And she's like, you know, death hunts us all. It turns out death is like this wolf with these two like sickles um and they have a... and my sons love that character that's one of the things they were raving about anytime he shows the, up he steals the, the show the apparently. opening sequence of this whole movie is puss fighting this like there's like this big celebration and it wakens up this giant this wood giant who begins trashing the town and they're having a, this party at the governor's mansion while the governor's away anyway so this giant um um uh, you know, this, this giant is just trashing the town. Is gets a bell, but it's the animation style, Mike. I, if Gavin, if you haven't seen the other, it's like someone took Spider Man across the Spider Verse and said, "Let's crank this shit to 15. It's so it looks like a, a, a living painting. Like they've they've done the animation. They put things on almost like fours and sixes. So the poses hold longer. And then they have like brush strokes that are coming off the characters of like the effects they're doing. And it's just like, everything looks like a painting, like a living painting. Yeah. When my sons were raving about it, I looked up some clips and watched it and they're it's just impressive. It's, it's, and it is like that. It's like, it was inspired by what happened with the spider verse. Yeah. Like, and so okay, he, let's see what we can do with animation. So the guy who actually, so it's not normal Shrek. Yeah. So the guy who did the spider verse actually worked on this film for a little bit, but what so I got a, a thing here. Uh ba, 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 where is it? Where is it? Animation design. So DreamWorks previous film, The Bad Guys, was inspired by Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. So to make the film look more like storybook illustrations, an idea suggested from production designer Nat Rang. And so the director, Bob, I'm gonna butcher his last name, so I'm not gonna say it, was set to helm Puss and Boots the Last Wish before he was replaced by Crawford. But using the new tech technology, the team at DreamWorks focused more on a painterly style design to make the film look more like a fairy tale war world instead of what we got out of the Shrek films, which was just hmm. like, off the shelf CGI. So it looks utterly amazing. Like when they switch into battle mode, you're just like you're you just sit back in your seat like this is fucking amazing. Like it's just awe-inspiring how beautiful it looks it looks as that like a living painting i i so i've actually watched it twice now i watched it once with the girls and i just watched it again tonight with my my in-laws looks so good it really does like every time they go like that opening fight sequence with the giant because they have like the the like extreme anime perspective of things like the giant's way in the distance and you have the the, the bell tower that he's swinging around by the, the cord and the cord's coming all the way up and right to puss who's running down the the thing to it and it's just like it's like a beautiful painted illustration it just 
that alone just for me was enough to say I got to watch this film from start to end. Um, and so you've got Jack Horner who has uh, it looks like a carpet bag of it's an endless carpet bag and he's filled it with magical treasures like Excalibur and Jimmy Cricket's in there and the eat me drink me stuff from like all the little magical trinkets. He's bringing that because he's that's his arsenal to get him to the wish. And he uses it just very liberally. And it's a fun movie to watch. It really is. If this was the style and tone of the original Shrek films, honestly, they would have kicked the living shit out of Disney. Disney would have just shut down their animation department and said, fuck it, we're beaten. Let's stop. Like, this is... If this was like what Shrek was like back when it came out, back in what, 2001? 2001. Yeah. 2001. Disney would have closed their doors and said, we're not doing animation anymore. We can't compete. Oh, Disney doesn't know how to quit. Yeah, unfortunately. Should we talk about The Mandalorian now? Yeah, well, we'll get to there. So if you have a chance to watch this movie, take it. Take this chance. It is so much fun to watch. It's available for free free on streaming on Peacock right now. So sign up for a free account on Peacock. Watch this film. You're not going to be disappointed. I tr trust me. You're not going to be disappointed, especially even if you just turn off the sound and just watch the visuals. You're just going to find yourself in like an hour and a half has gone by. Like what? What? What happened? I'm. I was. I was under a spell. Um, yeah. And I've heard the same again. Verification from all different sources, all different walks of life, people that I trust, whose opinions I trust. Yeah. All say I, the same thing. So when when, when I, I got to watch it. What? What's that? You I have, have to watch it. Yeah. When I saw that opening sequence, like I turned it on for the kids thinking, all right, I'll go. And I, I, I was standing beside the couch, fully intending on like going to go get something. And next thing I you know, I'm sitting on the arm of the couch. And next thing I know, I'm sitting on the couch with Ramona beside me. And next then the you're story, eating her like, popcorn. Yeah. And I'm like, what? I, I was going to, all right. You just, you, you don't, you don't want to stop looking at the screen because like it's every shot is so beautiful. And then, yeah, when they kick into the high intensity action scenes, you're just like, wow, that looks gorgeous. Like the amount of layering they must have done to have the CG and then the effects and then the painted effects and then the painted special effects on top of that. And then the final pass for the final look. I, I, bravo. Like they they knocked it the hell out of the park. Like I'm glad it seems to be doing well. It still looks like it's 95% Rotten yeah, Tomatoes. Yeah. And I think Box Office has done pretty well, too. Yeah, I think Box Office so it's was... About 179 right now? Uh, budget was $90 million and they're already at 464 for Box Office. Oh, yeah. That was the USA 179 So, yeah. So, if you get a chance to see it, by all means, see it. As I said, you can watch it right now for free, streaming on Peacock. Um, you're not going to be disappointed. Then we get to, well, I'm going to start with first with the Bad Batch for, for extreme disappointment. Um, Do you watch that, Kevin? Bad Batch? I stopped. Yeah, so I, as I said, I ended up watching uh, it. Peacock is not available in Canada, yeah, by the way. I, I watched it unintentionally in Canada and, and or in on what, trying to go to the Mandalorian and uh, it was terrible. It was fucking terrible. I mean, finally, they weren't trying to steal this or steal that they're actually cutting ties with their their former uh fence slash fixer but at this point it was like who cares and they get to this place that's suddenly they're having like a big tidal wave that's gonna flood the lower ends of the city and they gotta get everyone up to safety and and, and honestly i was like 
I don't care. And and what's her face and and the other and her friend who she just met her at the sea when this happens and I'm like, drown them. I don't care. The whole show was just constantly me going. I don't care. Um, yeah. So, I don't care. Um, then we get to the Mandalorian. Um, this was a very strange episode. So at the end of episode two, Mandalorian's taken his bath. He's now <laughs> accepted to to come, you know, be a Mandalorian again. Um, now the episode starts off with a bang because they're flying back to Bo-Katan's place when they're jumped by a bunch of TIE interceptors. And he's like, get me back to your place so I can jump in my ship. And then I can help you fight these guys off because their ship's okay, but it's against six interceptors. It's it's not fast enough. It's not armed enough. So she basically drops him. He jets down, last minute fly off. And, you know, they beat the interceptors. And just, they're like, oh, okay. You know, things are going back to normal. You hear booms in the distance. And she looks over and sees like huge smoke clouds from the direction of where her house is. Um, and so they quickly fly over there as TIE bombers are just dropping ordnance left and right. And she's, you know, they start chasing the TIE bombers and then he looks at his screen and you see like, oh, there's like the four pips of the bombers and there's an entire wave of red coming towards you of all these ships. And he's like, we gotta get out of here. She's like, I got nowhere to go. They just trashed my house. He's like, follow me. I'll give you the coordinates. So off they go. And then isn't Bo Katan supposed to have a whole bunch of army and like a bunch they of left? Well, that and... she explains in the in the last episode when she couldn't put everything together and when she she failed to get the dark saber, they all left. She doesn't have the credibility anymore. But at this point, the whole episode takes a hard left turn and says, "Fuck the Mandalorian," and we turn it, it turns into an episode of Andor, where we follow the. A uh, geneticist guy from the first episode of the first season who was trying to get the sample from Grogu. And we follow him, and he's now been re-educated by the Republic to be a Republic scientist and talks about how he wanted to... He studied cloning because he came from a world where his mom died of a failed heart, and if they'd had cloning technology, they could have easily cloned her a new heart, and she'd still be alive. And Okay, quick question. Is this a hard cut in a good way or a bad way? in an unknown way right now. Um, I think this is an attempt to bring back Moff Gideon in some way um, because he ends up meeting up with uh, this woman, Kane, who was on Gideon's ship. And she ends up saying, well, do you really want to restart cloning? Because he asks, if can I do my cloning stuff? Even, uh, even the job you've given me doesn't do anything with cloning, but can I do it off the side? And they're like, no, cloning's illegal under the Republic rules. And so she's like, well, tell you what, we'll break onto this this defunct Star Destroyer and steal you the materials you need to get going. And he's like, okay. And she absolutely backstabs him and double crosses him. And so they they get arrested. He gets arrested. And they, they're like, hey, we're going to shoot some electricity into your head. And you're going to have like these nice, nice euphoric dreams while we kind of finish the re-education process. And he's like, no, no, this is this is a form of torture. Don't do this. And they're like, oh, you'll be fine. And they leave the room and she's standing there. She's like, can I watch, you know, make sure because even though he did betray the Republic, we're still friends. And they're like, oh, okay, yeah. And while she's standing there, they leave the room and she kind of reaches over and goes, turns the dial up to from one to 11. 
the energy going into his head starts from blue to red. You can see his eyes kind of flashing and obviously it's cooking him. Um, and then stops there. We jump back to the Mandalorian as they arrive on the same planet where the rest of the Mandalorians are there. And the big heavy duty guys like, you know, he's like, I've been bathed the waters. The guy's like, bullshit, basically. He's like, oh, you're a fucking liar. No one's been there. It's cursed. You're, you're, you have to be lying. And he's like, I got proof. And he's like, I don't fucking care. And they're like, well, let the armor figure it out. She tests it, pours some in, makes like some sort of gassy sort of shit. And she's like, ah, oh, it's true. He's been there. And you can tell, like, you have been redeemed. And they say to Bo-Katan, have you taken off, you went after him in the water, have you taken off your helmet since then? No. Well, you have been redeemed in our eyes. This is the way. And you can tell the heavy-duty guy's still like, bullshit. He's going he's, he's, he's to stir up some trouble and, and cause something. Um, and that ends the episode. And I was just like, so started off with the Mandalorian. We shoehorned in some Andor. And we ended off with a tail end of, of, of Mandalorian. Um but it just feels like they're trying to set something up to bring Moff Gideon back. Um, mainly because I know that um, uh, the guy who plays Moff Gideon is in the, the credits for season three. So he's going to show up at some point. That's as much as I know. So was I happy with the episode? Not really. Um, I think they could have made that cut, that transition to this little side story to kind of Obviously, they're going to use that side story to build up later to so make the big story again. But it was just such an abrupt cutaway. You, you fed, you've, I just felt like I was spending the first couple of minutes going, okay, where the, where the hell am I supposed to be? Why am I supposed to follow this guy? I don't care about this guy. Why are you trying to force me to, to, to share some feelings with him? Because I don't care about him. And then, oh, look, and you just kind of betrayed him, and now you're killing him off anyway. So really, you're just introducing this cane chick who is kind of working with the Republic to take out what she feels are defectors of Moff Gideon's plans. They could have just done the whole episode on her and that would have been fine. Sometimes in stories, you can get away with that if it's written really well. This wasn't. um, I think of movies like True Romance. They sometimes had stuff like that happen where you're, you know, you think you're in the story and then it's a cutaway. It's like, where the hell am I now? But then it all ties together well, in a this, good way. But I, like, I, I imagine this isn't going to because I've already tapped out. It just felt like this kind of cut away to him, and we were supposed to be like cheerleading him. And then before he really gets traction under his feet, he gets the legs cut out from under him, and he gets killed. And I were like, "Oh, now we're nebulous." And I'm like, "We're gonna jump back to the Mandalorian for a bit, so you guys can recover." And it feels like we're gonna jump back to this 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 cane chick again and follow her exploits as she daggers left and right until she gets her way to Gideon and frees him. So I just felt it could have been handled better. Do you watch this one, Gavin? I just realized that uh, I'm actually not in uh, up to date. I'm, I watched the episode two. So this is all uh, new information. Ah, sorry. Sorry about that. Oh, good. Still the, the, the space like the, the starship battle was kind of nice at the start so you'll have fun with that but yeah Yay. yeah that was and i'm really sad with this whole mandalorian thing because i enjoyed the first two seasons even though it seemed too. like video game side quests i really liked luke skywalker showing up at the end what i didn't I, like was they had to give the mandalorian two episodes of boba fett to give him his new ship that should have been handled at the start of the Mandalorian, like yep. season three should have been him getting a new ship, 
the, I'm sorry, the Nubu Starfighter does not make any sense for a, for a bounty hunter to have. No. So it should have been him getting either a replacement Razor Crest or a different ship that he could actually do bounty hunting in, something to that effect. It just, I don't know. It, it just feels like, hey, we're going to give him a single cockpit Starfighter. And I would have been happy if they left Grogu out of this season, honestly. Me too. Like, if he just went full-on Mandalorian battle, let's reclaim the Empire, do all that kind of stuff. That's where I'd like to see it go. And then at the end of the season, hook up with Grogu. Yeah, I would have liked it. We see the point where Luke gives Grogu the choice of the Mandalorian shirt or the lightsaber. We cut back to the Mandalorian. We finish off season two. We start in the season three where he gets himself a new ship. And at the end of season three, Grogu comes back. You know, he's he's accepted Skywalker's training for a while and then realizes he's made a mistake and says, you know what, I can't I can't give up my friend like that. So here's your lightsaber back. Or even if a Grogu Exactly. I was just gonna say the same thing, Gavin. If Grogu at the end is like my friend is in trouble, I have yeah. to leave. Pull up that pull would have been a Skywalker. That would be Don't complete so good. your training. Go re- go and, rescue friends. And Lou Skywalker does not have a foot to stand on here. <laughs> but you, and, but I, yeah. Okay, go ahead, kid. Oh, like, oh, man. He's mm, right. Yeah, just go. He's like, ah. Mm. Yeah, you can go. Here, take the lightsaber. <laughs> yes. Can't promise it won't disappear into mist when you come back. Yeah, and, it's, and if you come back, um, just make sure you either bring the lightsaber back or the, the hand attached to it. Was there a hand attached to it? Because there should have been. Um, yeah. So Grogu comes back and Luke's, you know, drinking green milk. It's like, oh, God. Uh, I don't want to know where you got that green milk from. Yeah. So that's my disappointment with this so far. So let's segue out of disappointment into delight, into Picard. Season uh, season three, episode five. Who wants to start? Mike? Well, okay. You start us up because you were way behind us the last I episode up. i caught up i know but give <laughs> us you know recap what you thought up until all right episode so, four and then we'll go like what's your impression i uh, so far i'm mean, like i three was 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 great four was even better four was a great episode um so actually it's almost like the peaks and valleys i was like five's got to be a dip it's got to be a hard drop because f- four was such a great episode and Five did not dip that far. Like it, it kept you're on that roller coaster. And instead of like the, the big drop down, it's, it's like, Oh no, no, let's ratchet this up a little bit more. Let's get some, some tensions going. Yeah. It's like the episode four was just like, you know, like the full on drop. And then five was like a woo side loop. Yeah. It's like, like, Hey, like we're going to side for a bit. Um, yeah. Because we had the return of Rolaren and man, did Picard have some hard feelings for Rolaren. I really enjoyed that. <clears throat> I did too. Um, I, I, I thought right she was away, a changeling. Well, I knew right away that her two hench people were changelings. The second they said they couldn't beam aboard, I'm like, she's not going to be the changeling, but someone in her security detail is. Turns out both of them were. Um, spoiler. Um, and she's, the, the whole thing is, you know, I, I love the venom between them. He feels she betrayed him and she feels he gave up on her and the, the whole animosity back and forth till they they go to ten forward and you know hold guns. But the whole other. Bajoran earring missing. Yeah, I kept so saying, good. I was like, "Where's the?" That's, and that's where I'm that like, thing. She's got to be a changeling. 
And Picard saw it. He's like, yeah, she's got to be a changeling or an infiltrator or when, something. When she handed it to him, I'm like, that's got to be, there's got to be something on about that earring that's yeah, like a changeling spotter or, or something about it. It's got to be big. And then when Riker was like, oh, it's a data chip, old spy scrap, spy craft shit. And sure enough, yeah. And then you find out she was Worf's handler. So nice. Right, which makes sense. Yeah. Somebody who's involved with like terrorist operations and yeah. you know, deep intelligence and all that kind of stuff. So it's neat that you have all these people running all this underground super spy covert operation mm. things. And the fact when Worf shows up on screen at the end yeah. and it sees this Picard and Riker, that was great. But I also wondered, okay, midway through the episode, more spoilers – I was wondering if Worf was going to die that episode. There was a part of me where it's like, they could kill him. Like they could, but the second he dropped to his knees and started like meditating, I was like, he's going to pull some, some crazy Klingon meditation shit out, out of, out of nowhere. Yeah. And I'm like, that's why he did that was to, to do something. And when they stabbed him, I'm like, he's not dead. He's they got like double redundancy of everything. You stab him in the liver. That's not going to kill a Klingon. You got to stab him in both fucking livers. And the whole family said he stops his own heart. <laughs> so you think well, that, they that, might that was him. a fucking toe deck toxin thingy from, from, uh, 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 blowfish kind of shit, you know? It's like yeah. A, yeah. Oh, it's undetectable. Oh, if only he'll come back. Yeah. So, it's so dangerous to do this. I was just yeah. waiting for like some kind of line about that too. Although I did appreciate the fact that it's like uh, I am very impatient because I'm bleeding out. Fuck. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now I do like that when Ro realized that her the bomb on board her shuttle, there's no way she was going to be disable it. She flew to the nacelle to blow a nacelle out of the intrepid so that it would not be able to jump to warp. That was such a nice. T- I mean, that's that is some tactical shit there. You know, you're, you're you're going down. What's the most tactical play you could do to disable your enemy? And the fact they beamed, especially they because the crew is all on board that ship, so yeah. it's full of a whole bunch of innocent people. So you're not going to blow up the whole ship. No, you're going to blow up the ship, but you're going to disable it in some way and disable its capacity for warp. It's such a great a great thing because she knew she was dying. She was going to be dead anyway, so she may as well make that death worth something. And speaking of the Intrepid, when it was flew up into that uh, camera view, basically blocking off the Constitution-class ship, and the two of them were looking eye to eye, that one shot of the ship coming up, that was such classic Star Trek. Oh, yeah. It felt like that old-school naval submarine kind of battle. And yeah, right. it was so threatening. One brings itself up to... As it's rotating in with all the lights glowing and the stuff in the background. It's like, holy crap. Yeah. What an amazing Star Trek shot that was. Now, the very end of the episode, we have um, Jack Crusher. He finally gets caught by the the changelings who beamed back after planting the bomb and immediately changed their, their form. And I and like the fact that the changelings now can replicate blood. Not just blood, that's but a organs. Really cool and when and they die, they can still hold that until you know you mess with it enough, and then it goes back to goo. So he's got four of them on him, and there's this that scene where he's in his mind's eye, and the door opens a bit, and he goes all like Jason Bourne on them. That actually, Jesus Christ, me, it's Jack Crusher. Yeah, well, at that at that actually reminded me of a movie uh, with uh, oh god, what's this? Hold on, let me pull it up. Uh, Jesse Eisenberg, you guys ever seen a movie called American Ultra? 
I have not. Um, yeah, just maybe. Uh, basically, he's a he's the stoner guy working out of a convenience store, and this woman comes up and like gives him a, a, a bunch of gobbledygook words, and he's like, uh, whatever. And she leaves, and then he looks over, and two guys are like monkey around with his car, and he comes out, and he's like, hey, get away from my car, don't do that. And he's like, you know, half baked out of his head anyway, and they come walking over, like, well, this will be easier than. And they go to attack him, and suddenly his pupils to just dilate out, and he just completely Jason Bourne's the shit of him. Turns out he's a deep cover CIA assassin that they have mind wiped and just thrown him into anywhere generic USA that when they need to activate him, the code words are said, and now suddenly he is like a lethal fucking killing machine. But at the same time, he's still freaking out because he doesn't. There's a disconnect between him and the assassin persona, mainly because of a lot of weed. Um, but <laughs> that was the whole thing with Jack Crusher when suddenly you flash into it like his mind's eye, you see the door open a bit, and yeah, he just goes all Jason Bourne on these guys. Okay, do you guys have any theories on that whole Stranger Thing element that's going on? Because I personally, I have I, no idea. Yeah, I'm, I'm theories. I, I, I was like, okay, it's like, is there some sort of like, has he been mixed with uh, uh, changeling DNA somehow? So he like uh, just automatically knows how to recognize it. Like, uh, it, like I'm pretty sure like he's kind of he's kind of like a sleeper agent kind of thing. But like when they asked him, uh, you know, I was like, how did you know? How did you know they were changelings? I didn't. Yeah. It's like, oh, he's, he's, oh, dear. there's something wrong with himself. Like, but the the start of the episode, he's having visions of basically just murdering the entire crew, and then everything without those the vines going everywhere. So, I think somewhere along the way, something's been played with him in his head and and whatnot I and a couple of things i've noticed is okay it starts with the red lady they're trying to figure out the red lady i think that might have something to do with it because all that imagery is always red it's always red, uh, yeah, red when door. he builds the shape with the straw okay so that's tied in so whatever those weird stranger thing you know veins i don't yeah. know what the hell that is i'm not well, i think that's that's also that. the reason why like mom's hanging around because i think she may have been part of that whole experiment on him and so she's almost like the handler like to keep him on track keep him from massacring the entire starfleet um you know there's got to be something i'm hoping they're going to explain it in the next what five six episodes five and episodes the, left yeah the fact we have five left so we know either data or lore shows up mm -hmm. uh moriarty shows up yeah and whatever the big bad is and spoilers say it's not just changeling so it's something more so what happens in the next five episodes? I have no idea. I love that this whole series is keeping me on the edge of my seat because when it's that storybook AI kind of written Star Trek, it's like I see what's coming and I don't care. The only thing is, like, I'm excited. And I don't know what's going to happen. Was that Rolaren showed up just to die? You know, that's it's it's like oh, Rolaren. Yeah, she's not making it to the end of the episode. She died with honor. Yeah. But I, She's I got to be honest with you guys. Um, my 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 recollection of uh, Next Generation was pretty much like back in our our Sheridan days, and you know a few years a few years after that. So I, I have not rewatched any of the Next Generation stuff. Neither. So my 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 memories of of Rolaren were basically, she's a Newbridge officer. She's weird. She's doing weird. Bajoran things. She had the thingy bob ups here. Disapproves. Dual blah, thing blah, blah. that the card gave her the, the permission for. 
and then but it, she bailed for the were, maquis well she, they the sent thing. her to the maquis to be a deep agent and she ended up flipping and, and being part of them yeah and that pissed off picard to no end and I know she was actually supposed to be the character that uh, Kira on Deep Space Nine was supposed to be Rolaren, but there was a whole contract dispute with the actress. And so the character of Kira was developed as a way of like, all right, we can't get Rolaren, but we still need a Bajoran because we need a tie to the Maquis. So there we go. So, yeah, yeah, I just I, I just don't remember the the uh, you know them having that close of relationship. So watching the episode, it was just like, oh, whoa, that's super intense. I guess there's a lot more to it than I was than I remember. Yeah, because she was always the snarky but, girl. You know, she was brought in to yeah. cause some discord on the bridge. So she had her own way of doing things, and she would shoot her mouth off and cause yeah. all this drama. And Picard, yeah, he gave her a place. Yeah, he kind of he championed her, and I think in a way he saw himself in her and the fact that she spoke her mind, and she was more often than not she was right, and he was like, "All right, I can get behind that." You know, whatever her her past is, her past that's fine. But when she got the assignment to go be with the Maquis to, to try to you know infiltrate them and help the Starfleet, and she ends up saying, "Oh fuck Starfleet, I'm going to be a Maquis," he took that as the as the biggest betrayal. Which in this episode. You, as I said, you can see the venom between them two as they're talking until they finally kind of tell each other, "Well, you broke my trust," and and then they're like, "All right, okay, uh, yeah, I guess we're both hurt parties then." Remember the episode Rascals? They I... turn into little children. Yeah, that was a great one. Exactly. Jumping on the bed. Hey, come on, Captain Picard jumped on the bed with Rolaren and Guinan. They had fun. They're bouncing around, had a great time, and then he. Got betrayed. Mm-hmm. I understand why he's upset. And a... the other thing with uh, the whole role Aaron thing, which like, I was really wondering if she was a changeling, the way she pulls the gun on him and takes him off to the room. and But she's basically making sure he's not a changeling. Like, you can see what's going on. Yeah. She's I didn't know what was happening until the scene played out. But once the scene played out, it's like, oh my God, that's well, the fact that it was the when he said he's got a, the note from the doctor and it's like, you know, changelings can. can can defeat the test, trust no one. And he's like, oh shit. So she's probably a changeling. And then we realized, oh no. And then she's like, we can't trust Starfleet. It goes right to the top. And then when they pull up the data from her earring, and it's like, he's like, oh look, right, right to the goddamn top. Um, and that's when we're like, we have to flee. The intrepid's here to kill us, not to, to help us in any way. They're going to destroy the ship and with us on it. And Jack Crusher factors very highly into whatever yeah, they, is going on. Yeah, the changelings want Jack so bad. There's got to be a reason. It's so probably tied into week. the to the his uh, his Jason Bourne uh, identity. Whatever uh, that is, like, and that's yeah. the thing. It's like there's so many questions. Mm-hmm. We're halfway through. You know, a couple of MacGuffins have come and gone, and I'm still on the edge of my seat. That's great writing. All right, so. From there, Gavin, you're going to take the helm and uh, tell us all about oh. it, it Man and the Quantumania. Oh, boy. I'm going to have to paraphrase a lot here. All right. Um, so, um, uh, Dr. Pime and uh, Janet uh, are, well, if you remember from the, the second one, we now have Janet back. Jan- uh, she She's now rescued and, uh, you know, Cassie's grown up. You know, from the the five year jump with the uh, with with uh, you know, Thanos' snap and all that. Oh, fuck. 
<sighs> okay, buddy, you're like a rampaging rhino. Mm. Uh, so it basically opens up with uh, the uh, Scott Lang is uh, basically just having a great day. He's uh, walking down. Everyone's like, it's like, hey, it's you, and hey, it's you, and you know, then you know we see that uh, that scene from the uh, from the trailer. It's like, thank you, Spider Man, and he just you know, just the whole dying inside part. Yes, you're welcome. Okay, and then he, he, he goes off and uh, essentially um, turns out uh, his daughter is a bit of an inventor and has created a sort of a subspace radio or slash radar that can detect any uh, people in the quantum realm. Uh, so she's she uh, she worked on this with uh, Doctor Pym, uh, or I Pym? say Pym. Pym or Pym? Pym. 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 Yeah. So uh, like him. Yeah. So he uh, Tim. So uh, Cassie and Dr. Pym, uh, they create this subspace radar ra radio kind of kind of contraption. And uh, Janet uh, has no idea what they were doing. And as soon as she tells they, they, she finds out that it's a radio, she's like, oh, you got to turn this off. Got to turn this off right now. And then that's when everything goes to shit. And basically everyone, Scott, Dr. P Pym, uh, Janet and Cassie all get sucked into the quantum realm. And so they, uh, they, pretty much. Yeah. Um, so essentially it's, uh, it's sort of a long follow-up to basically uh, trying to find their way to, to meet up with each other. Uh, and um, did she have an affair with King? No, no, he did not. Or she did not. Okay. Um, Bill Murray, essentially, uh, like uh, the whole whole idea that you know that's like he will find us or he, he's coming, you know, it's like oh who who's coming, you know, because uh, in Loki when uh, you know he who remains, uh, it was set being set up to be like this like uh, all powerful being, and it was just dude just reclining on a desk, you know, if he was doing like the uh, you know the the sexy uh, uh, the the sexy Jeff Goldblum. Uh, uh, kind of photo he'd be he would have been doing that but um no like the it, it was basically making Ken the look, uh, the michael jackson kind of yeah ricky gervais no, but, but um uh but uh janet encounters kang is sort of when he first gets to the, the quantum uh realm and they work together because she has like she has no idea who he is he hasn't told her much seems perfectly affable uh, and then she just she finally uh, discovers who she is by uh, when he steps into this machine that they were they were painstakingly building. Uh, touching the machine kind of gave gave a link to Kang's mind, and then she discovered this Kang was a really really bad. Okay, dude. I heard about this plot point. Did that seem stupid when you watched it? No, it's it kind of it, it sort of made sense to me that she touches um, the ship and gets his memories. Uh, well, she's she's seeing into his mind, like it's like a it's like a psychic link or something like it's that. Because he's ship. connected to it, and then she touches it, and then she's connected to the ship. So it's kind of like a, uh, I don't know, two way radio. Imagine a Tesla was like anyway. that. That'd be really annoying. <laughs> you hop in someone's Tesla. It's like that's what you were thinking. Oh my god! Ooh, you touch your Tesla, you're like, get out of my head, Elon Musk. <laughs> so, anyway, it's. Um, 
Scott and Cassie are found by like uh, uh, rebels who are trying to fight Kang, and uh, had some actually some pretty pretty good pretty cool uh, uh, NPC char- or background characters. I was going to say non-player characters, but <laughs> we get a little too much video gaming here. Um, and so uh, they they finally all all meet up, and uh, oh god damn it. It's you know what? Fuck it. I, I can't. I can't summarize this right now because I can't. I can't remember all of it. Oh, so it's that exciting. Just, Troy, cut, cut it. Uh, edit this out. No, keep it in. Here, I'll, I'll, I'll take no, up the no. reins from there because um, a friend of mine in, at Taekwondo kind of spoiled a lot of it for me because um, he was so excited to see it. So, so Bill Murray had an affair with the Wasp. Bill Murray and was the uh, what's some sort of like town leader. Mayor, something. Yeah, I forget his name. He's based on a comic book character who appeared um, in like one comic. Yeah. So, um, turns out the Kang in the film was exiled by all the other versions of Kang because he was too. He almost like he was like the psychotic of all the different Kangs, and they're like, we can't. You, you, your idea is radical. So all the other Kangs kicked that Kang out and said, "You go your own way because you're 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 fucked." Um, and he. You know, had bad feelings about that. So How would you guys feel about that? Okay, because I heard about the stadium at the end and all the multiple kings and all this kind of stuff. So imagine there was like a stadium full of you, and they're all like, "You're the version that they don't like." Yeah, all that of them suck. Are like fifty thousand kings, and they're all like, "You, yeah, the one standing in the middle of the stadium, we hate you." I would destroy the multiverse. Um, I did hear what's his face, uh, Darren Cross from the first Ant Man is Modok. Oh, that is one. I, oh my god, that I, made I, me rage and made me say I am not giving Marvel any more money. When I saw that, go ahead, Gavin, tell us your experience in that. Great okay, reveal. so do you like it? Was it awesome? Up uh, or did it make uh, you die until, a little inside? The Modok did, in fact, make me die a little bit inside. When I when I was watching it, he was, uh, you know, the, the CGI for the, for, for Modoc and with, he had a, like a metal face and like, like, uh, you know, he, he looked kind of what Modoc should look like. If he was a green goblin, MCU right. Kind of, in a Mickey Mouse sort of way. Yeah. So, more or less. And I still have um, the Patton Oswald. Um, like, okay. Head. He's, he, 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 well, that's kind of like the de facto, uh, version really. Uh, so I'm watching, and like oh he's he seems to be just like literally uh, like a, a designed only for killing you know we put the doc in modoc and uh, then he ba- he popped the 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 metal face and um uh, what's his name darren uh, yeah, uh from the from the first one darren cross it was his face but like a really bad texture map from a playstation 1 game <laughs> Little little sharper detail, mm-hmm. but I'm I'm staring at it, and I'm going, oh, God, this is bad. Like I I turned I turned to a man. I was like, is it me or does it look really bad? And she's like, yeah, it looks really bad. They they just stretched his face like from an N N sixty four game, like Bond from uh, from Goldeneye looked looked better. It, oh God, that sounds like, awesome. Maybe a little. Um, now but, I, I do hear that what's her face, the daughter uh, Cassie, convinces him to change sides because she brings up the whole "Will you try to kill someone, kill my dad in my bedroom?" Um, 
I'm not a dick. <laughs> yeah. is one of his his last words. And a thing that you just mentioned, Trevor, the Patton Oswald, like this is all MCU essentially. I mean, this is sort of like a sort of side thing of the MCU, but why not connect it? Okay, like you can't do the crazy Modoc sitcom, but you could make it, you know. Yeah, yeah there could be a weird side story, but why not bring Patton Oswald in and just bring that character in? Yeah, why not honestly, just... that stop motion one was better than anything I saw. Why did it need to be Darren Cross? It didn't. It didn't. No, it didn't. It was just a, a lame attempt to try to let's put it all together. Um, they they the way they explained it a little bit, like and, and like why he was chosen. In a weird way, kind of made sense because you know how he was hit with the with the with the size yeah, change. Yeah, shrunk down and... and basically, what happened is, so what it looks like is something malfunctioned and basically left his head really big, yet really like all of him really small, but the rest of his body was like shrunk in proportion. So they stuck so him in they, the body suit to try so to keep him alive. Basically, yeah, they they basically cybernetically enhanced him. So I get sort of. The, the idea why they decided to use that as sort of the template for Modoc. I just didn't like how they how I didn't like how he looked at all. It was yeah. horrible. Now I did see um, people have posted the end mid, mid credit and end credit scenes where you see uh, Loki and Mobius in the audience as all the Kangs are in the multiverse. Um. And they're finding another Kang variant. Um, oh God, what's his name? Timely, from the comics. Uh, oh shit, can't remember his name. I just remember it's timely. Something timely. Um, I don't know if I want to see this film. I really don't. Um, would you recommend it, Gavin? I I had fun with it. There's a there's a lot of fun to be had. Uh, I'm sorry, my my summary was was the like the worst thing I'm sure you've ever heard, but it was pretty uh, close, yeah. I uh, <laughs> I, uh, I I did enjoy myself in it. It was it was a fun movie. Um, it was kind of a weird one to introduce Kang in. I would I would say, um, and unfortunately to say, this particular Kang is not going to be uh, much of a threat anymore, as far as I or at least the way the movie let, let, leaves it off at. Um, we, we I, I'm not sure if he's coming back or not. It's possible. I mean, we're not. Uh, we're now at the point with uh, Marvel movies where the bad guy, the the bad guys don't necessarily die, and then it's a brand new villain at the in the second in the next one. But um, all in all, it uh, there 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 was some there's some pretty good moments. A lot a lot of a lot of great one liners as Marvel tends to do, but. Um, I, I would say, honestly, if you're kind of hemming and hawing on it, wait for Disney+. Plus. My daughter said she enjoyed it, but she's not hardcore comics, and she knows that some things that she enjoys, I absolutely hate. Another thing that's crazy with MODOK is because he was never Quantum Realm, right? Because he was AIM. Yeah. Like, he was never supposed to be... Well, they kind of torpedoed AIM in Iron Man 2, right? Three. Or no, 3. three. Iron Man 3. three. But you could still work that stuff in. It it doesn't make any sense. Another thing I hate about the whole premise, because I thought it was going to be a lot more grounded. I've talked about that at previous podcasts where I thought, you know, Ant-Man, because it's such a grounded 
kind of a caper film, right? With you know, it's, you can steal some shit. Okay. Yeah, that kind yeah. of thing, like a little heist kind of film. So I thought this one would be a lot more grounded, but then you know, tap into the whole quantum realm somehow. But the fact that you have a guy whose power is to shrink really small, he gets super super tiny. Like, can't he just grow big at any time and just like mosquito slap yeah. everybody? Uh, it. Oh, he he did in the in in the uh, in in the movie. But even then, he's like super tiny guy. It's. It's weird. The okay, it's like it's a mite, it's a mite versus a, a flea. Yeah. Now, w- what I did hear, which kind of I disappointed, is that XCon, the security consultants, are not in the film. No, they're not. Yeah. And they're such a big part of Scott Lang Ant Man from movie one to movie two that not having them in there in some fashion is a travesty in a way. Like you've got these great characters you've established through two films and then you completely ignore them in the third. And that's what we've been talking about recently is like the Mandalorian having two episodes in Boba Fett. And like, you're talking about how suddenly it's Andor in the middle of Mandalorian. And like, if you're reading a comic book series, if you're watching a TV series, like let me see the story. If it's going to be a trilogy of movies that keep the continuity, you're trying to launch this phase five, but yeah. it's in a movie that it doesn't seem right for. If you're going to watch Ant-Man 1, 2, 3, there should be some continuity there and keeping his old heist pals involved, Because especially because everybody loves them. Like, at least get them in for a few scenes. Do something. Yeah, either at the start or at the end. I mean, the rest of the time you're going to be in the, in the quantum realm, that's fine, but they should be there at the start or the end. Like, hey, Scott, we missed you. Uh, by the way, that security system we installed kind of went haywire. Uh, we know you're all famous Avenger and shit, but we need your help. Something like that. Well, I mean, we're, we ha- we don't know what um, Paul Rudd's sort of mentality towards more Marvel is going to be. I know some. Uh, I know we've uh, we've got a lot of them uh, no longer signing up for like the you know the like the six picture deals. Yeah, it's uh, now more of a let's do one and see how it goes. Yeah, I don't blame them. The God, I know everybody hates me saying the MCU, but that has been an entire flop. (laughs) It's crazy how much like they've nosedived. The MCU was the golden goose up until Endgame, and then they started doing all this diversity politics, and it's not landing. And also, I think because a lot of the directors and writers that made the original ones a huge success. They're just not around anymore. So they think that they can just put the Marvel logo up and just throw any sort of shit at the screen and everybody's going to flock to it. But from what I'm hearing is Quantum Mania is actually losing money. Well, there's, I, I, I'll, be the... absolutely, I'll be absolutely blunt. In Quantum Mania, there is absolutely no fucking uh, like uh, diversity, uh, like contra- contrary, contradiction MCU uh, kind of thing going on there. That like. I don't know if people are thinking that it is, but there there is. Okay, none. so from what I'm hearing, and again, you've seen the movie, I haven't, but that you're watching an Ant Man movie, and it's the Janet Van Dyne and the Wasp and all his daughter and all these other people kind of take center stage while he's a bit of a bumbling idiot. Again, I haven't seen the movie, but that's the reviews I've heard. 
Like this Ant Man, because mm. okay, I did see Doctor Strange, and that's what happens. Doctor Strange is a bumbling idiot in his own movie. I've seen parts of Love and Thunder, and Thor's a bumbling idiot in his own movie. Yeah. He always is. He always. He's not always. Not until Taika Waititi thought he was going to destroy everybody's fandom. No, I thought I thought Quantumania, uh, like everyone had had uh, had uh, good decent screen time. But did he? I mean, okay, tell me how Ant Man was in it. Did did he seem like an adventure, like a cool? He he was Paul Rudd playing Ant Man as Scott Lang. Like he was likable. He he was he he cracked jokes. Uh, I mean, it he was he was Scott. Okay, Lang. here's another thing. And again, tell me if I'm wrong because I haven't seen it. I'm just listening to reviews. But uh, Paul Rudd, he's a likable, charming, goofy comedic kind of character but he's not quite the tony stark to lead the avengers you know he's he's good as the side character like the assistant the no like the beta team member not the alpha that's going to lead you into phase five no he's definitely he's definitely not like that character like he would never be captain america and does it seem weird that they're using that as the launch for the, the whole phase next phase of movies? Well, I think part of it is they need to introduce the big bad for phase five. And they pick this movie to do it in. Because it wouldn't make sense for it to be in Guardians of the Galaxy because volume three is James Gunn's swan song in the MCU. Yeah, so Doctor no... Strange would have been a perfect one with the multiverse. It would have, it would have. And it's it seems kind of odd that they didn't. I'm just looking at the Phase 5 films. So we got Guardians of the Galaxy coming up in May. The Marvels coming up in November 10th. Have you heard all the drama for the Marvels? No. Because it's been pushed back like three times. Apparently Brie Larson is a handful on set. Let's put it that way. Um, I think she's kind of ticked off that the first movie didn't well and it didn't do well and it's not getting the love. And she's basically kind of being put, edged out of her own movie. So I've heard that a lot of the reshoots that are happening and the drama that's being caused on set is kind of out of control. So I'm very curious to see how that works. Well, I think part of it is because they're all setting up to do the Thunderbolts. Thunderbolts is, in essence, the next Avengers. So they got to get through Avengers. They got to get through Captain America, New World Order first. And then then they have the Thunderbolts and then they have Blade. And that's basically the end of, of phase five. And that's where we get into phase six, which we'll see how that goes. And I look at the cast of the Thunderbolts and I just don't care. <laughs> I, I look like it's not the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. I'm it, so it curious how it's going to go. And I know Marvel is right now is dropping things and pushing things back. And I think they're finally realizing it's like, you know what? We're actually losing money. Let's. Well, they're they're not really losing money. I mean, Ant Man cost them just under two hundred million to make, and it's already made four hundred and fifty. So, but when you add on advertising budgets and all that kind of stuff, and apparently reshoots don't get logged on to the, you know, the I just look at this budget. For the most part, we just have to slog through Phase Five, much like we did Phase Four. I think Phase Six is where things are going to pick up because we got Deadpool, Fantastic Four, and two Avenger films: Kang Dynasty and The Secret Wars. After that, who knows? But I think right now, 4 was a slog, uh, mainly because we had shit like the Elementals, or the Eternal, sorry, which was just 
Black Widow and the Eternals, and then Doctor Strange was just like, can we keep getting punched in the nuts? Because I, you seem to think we enjoy it. <laughs> people um, have put compilations of Phase Four of people getting punched in the nuts. Yeah, it's like, hey, Black Widow. Okay, that one kind of okay. Hurt. Oh, the hey, Shang Chi. Oh. You're like, oh, thank you. You handed me a bag of ice to put on the on, on the testicle you just ruptured, and then the Eternals. Really, you had to go for the second one. And then Spider-Man, hey, okay, no way home. Oh, and he, now you're going to give me some painkillers, too, and a cup of water. Here, let me take those. And then Doctor Strange, where they punch you in the throat, you're like, come on. Just let me take the medicine. And then Thor, Love, and Thunder, you're like, I just, I, I can I go sit down here for a while? And then Black Panther, which I just saw with my wife. And it was, she liked it. I was kind of, on it. Um, so, yeah, I look at this. Phase four was just a lot of misses, then hits. And phase five, they're like, fuck it, we just need to get to phase six, guys. We need to ground swell back up to a nice big film. And I think that's what they're planning on. So I think with Quantum Mania, they're like, we have to introduce the big bad. Let's get through it. Guardians of the Galaxy for them, I think in terms of phase five, is it's a it's a bit of a dead end because James Gunn's ending it. Like he's like, I have the I've got the course I have to do with Guardians of the Galaxy. There are three films, and then they're done. Then we have the Marvels, which I don't know how that's gonna work out. Captain America, because we've got to put you know the new Falcon and the old Falcon on the screen with Winter Soldier. After the how great the Falcon and the Winter Soldier was on Disney Plus. Good job, guys. Um, Thunderbolts to kind of say, all right, let's we're restarting an Avengers of some sort. Blade, which I think is actually gonna do pretty well. And then we get into phase six where we have Deadpool, Fantastic Four, and two Avenger films. So they better nail the Fantastic Four. I and hope it's so. a weird thing because it's all backwards because it, you know, Fantastic Four is Marvel's first family, but it's coming in this late, obviously because of rights. I I get it. But you better come up with a good story to pull that off. Fantastic Four should have been part of phase five, in my opinion. Quantum Mania, they could have swapped out and done Fantastic Four because Reed Richards did a whole lot of shit with jumping dimensions and multiverses, with like you know. And Kang is his ancestor. Yeah, so it would have been a perfect character. Ancestor, is that thing. right? No ancestor. Descendant is behind descendant. Yeah, that's descendant, a better yeah. word. Good job, so, Kevin. Fantastic Four would have been a perfect film to introduce Kang into into the MCU, outside of the the Loki miniseries. It would have been a perfect film. Instead, they kind of shoehorned it into like Quantum Mania should have been us seeing the 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 organization that Loki's with the the time continuum. Those guys, we sh that's who we should have been seeing. Realizing that their little citadel is in the quantum realm, that's how they're able to get around depowering Infinity Stones and shit like that. But yeah, unfortunately, I'm not in charge, so. I didn't, don't get to make those decisions. Well, we can talk about them. Yes, we can definitely talk about them. All right, so we got anything else? I've got a couple things. All right. Has anybody ahead. been following uh, Magic the Gathering? No. Have you seen what's just no. happened? No. Okay, what happened? they're anything. releasing the next expansion pack, Lord of the Rings, which is kind of interesting. I mean, they've done some dumb releases, like they've brought in Street Fighter and... Walking Dead and Didn't Transformers. They do Transformers? Yeah, Transformers. Yeah. And I... okay, I kind of don't care about that because if I'm a crazy wizard and I want to summon Optimus Prime or Godzilla or Chun Li, there's something about that. It's like, 
okay, cool. I'm going to do that because I'm just a badass wizard. Although with this Lord of the Rings thing, they decided to race swap Aragorn. So he's a black character in the cards. And there's all these people going online. Like, I finally feel represented in uh, this story that I love so much. And all I could think about was South Park, the story of Tolkien. Do you guys ever watch that episode where uh, yeah. Stan's Long family ago. confronts him? It's like, why did you name your son Token? Well, because I love Lord of the Rings. What? Yeah, my wife didn't want to name him J.R.R., so we named him Token. Wait a minute, your name's Tolkien? Yeah, it's Token. Token? Yeah, that's what I said. Such a great story, but it's so weird that it's kind of coming full circle with this whole ridiculous thing. So, And I'm just so sick of the race swaps and gender swaps and all this kind of stuff that's happening, this all this identity politics that's happening in Hollywood is making me bonkers. And the fact that it's even showing up in a card game now is kind of crazy. And it's funny that well, it's already I, kind of rejigged the artwork. But is that Kevin? I I I, I hate to say this, but like like half the stuff that we were enjoy we we enjoyed in the eighties, black people just didn't seem to really be exist in these stories because they were not the target audience we have so much more uh diversity in the in the people that are watching this but that's where you make new stuff and if like uh, eric july that guy ripaverse who i've been following he's a youtube commentator and he's like yeah i'm gonna because he's a black man he's i'm gonna make a black superhero or if you want to do a little mermaid well don't do that story you know create a new story there's African culture. You can pull from that. You no, know, even look at Spawn. Okay, Todd McFarlane made you know, a black superhero. Like It exists. You don't have to take something and change it, especially in the case of Tolkien, where he was trying to make an English mythology. You know, he's a, you know, a professor of history and linguistics, and he was trying to create a mythology based on all the stuff that he was studying and where he was living and his experience. If you want to do that, fine. Like, make a new story, but don't piggyback woke politics onto okay material so, created by somebody else. That's my. Is it woke politics then uh, for the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles in the original comics? April O'Neil was based off of uh, was, uh, one of their one of their girlfriends. It was his wife. She was half. It black. was Kevin Eastman, and she was partially. I think it was like a quarter something. She she was she was she she had black. Okay, but here's the whole uh, story. Jeans. Apparently, April O'Neil, April was created. If I okay, you can Google me on all of this. But Peter Laird was the one who decided to do the news reporter, and she was supposed to be Asian. And then the drawing and the name April came from Kevin's wife at the time, who was something like a quarter black or something like that. But then they decided to make her O'Neill. And the idea was that she was going to be Irish. And of course, you know, people keep bringing up images of with the curly hair. But geez, this was the 80s. Like, look at any image of Cher at the time. You know, that the curly hair was rampant back then. And I know some colorings looked darker, but TMNT was a black and white comic book. So any coloring that happened even came afterwards. So that's my understanding of the story. Okay. So the internet, you know, feel free to fact check me on that. Okay. So they 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 made 
whatever she was based on, they made her into basically a, like an Irish girl in, in the 86 cartoon. Baxter Stockman in the cartoon, in, in the comic was, it was uh, just a yeah. straight out black. It was guy. like Samuel L. Jackson. It was obvious. And then they whitewashed him into, in, in the, in the, uh, the, the cartoon. They, what white. was that? The nineties cartoon? No, no, that was the '86 cartoon. Yeah, the '86 cartoon. Was, they they, okay, they made him white. a white guy. So I mean, see, I'm so against in the, that. In later incarnations, Damn it, they shouldn't have done that. But, I have outrage. So in the later editions, in the later yeah. versions of the shows, uh, they they brought brought him back to to yeah. being a black man. So the thing is, though, the, the a lot of these shows when they were created, they. They, they 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 would sometimes have token representation because you know look look we're we're diverse, but the thing is if they were made today, there would be a lot more diversity. But the thing is they're not made today. I guess that's and what my is, point. Is yes, but the but the properties are be, are beloved properties. Now the, okay, and I'll be honest with you, uh, like I'll be absolutely blunt. The only people who are getting pissed off about basically shape the race set uh, race swapping. Are basically old, middle-aged uh, white dudes who grew up watching whatever I know show that's it was, not true. and they're they're so angry. Seriously, look at Eric July, Young Ripa. He does an amazing commentary on that, and he's actually angry that you know people of other races have to take sloppy seconds from white characters. You know, it's you know, let's make some new characters. You don't have to diversify like that. And that's why I love his commentary is because he is a black man from Texas who has his own comic book company. And it's a fascinating conversation. It's interesting. So it's not just, you know, angry old white men like me or getting Okay, it's up. angry old black men who basically have their own companies. All right, I'm gonna throw my my two cents in the ring. Right. So I mean I collected and read all the original TMNT black and whites. And then, yeah, when the, the cartoon came out, when the teenage, you know, you know, the evil ninjas attack, these turtle boys, will cut of no slack. And yeah, they, they, I mean, April was a little strange in her yellow jumpsuit um, proportionally and, and whatnot. But I've, I have a timeline of as the different series progress, the different changes they do to April. If you look at where they started with April and where they end with April, you can see a little bit of progression there. But the last two iterations, they were like, you know, we're just we're doing our own thing. And this last iteration is is almost like someone said, we have to go as far as possible away from the yellow jumpsuit April. So and this was in the cartoon. This is the cartoon. So it's almost like they're like, OK, let's are you talking about white, rise? So black. She can't have, she's got to have like short dreads. It's honestly someone like they were like, let's hit all the stereotypical boxes. You know, let's, let's make her short. Let's make her dumpy. Let's, you know, put her hair in dreads. Oh, you're saying her. the new one that's coming out. Yeah. The, let's slap a new set, a thick set of glasses on her. And it was just like, if you're going to change the character, you got to remember, she's supposed to be a TV reporter. She's supposed to be the one standing in front of the camera. This is not a character design-wise, aesthetically-wise, you would put in front of a camera. Yeah, You'd be like, you're going to hold the camera, and we're going to get someone else to stand in front of the camera and deliver the news report. Yeah. 
they I just feel like they strayed so far from it. It is there are many, many women of color reporters who are gorgeous standing in front of the camera. It's almost like they felt it felt like the person who designed this was like, well, I have to make this April the exact opposite of what we started with. So we got to make her as dumpy and frumpy and unappealing visually as possible. And you're like, you do realize what her job is, right? Even the fact they gave her glasses, then, you know, people say, oh, well, look at the comic. This is how she was intended. She never had dreads and she never had glasses. Well, it's, it's again, she was she's, never she's the reporter. Most reporters either will wear contacts or if they do wear glasses, the second they get in front of the camera, they take the glasses off. Because A, the glasses will reflect the monitors that, you know, their teleprompters. But more importantly, aesthetically, people... If you're wearing glasses, they're going to be like, well, I can't see their eyes. So there's something about not trusting them. So you have more contacts or just second the camera starts rolling, the cam the, the glasses come off. It just feels like someone had an agenda of I am going to go the 180 degrees the other direction and check all of the stereotypical boxes I can. She's To me, it's an ugly caricature of going the other direction. Like... If you're going to go the other direction and say, all right, we're going to make her black, we're going to give her dreads, that's fine. But make her aesthetically pleasing as to someone who would be standing in front of the camera being a reporter. It just, it's almost like a slap in the face saying that that black women cannot be attractive and, and be in front of it. Like, if they're going to be, you know, the opposite, they have to be unattractive, so they have to dress frumpy, they have to... Like, like what really? if she ended up looking like a Zendaya or something? Yeah. And, like, and then you could say, okay... You know, a mixed race, and that's what the original design was based on. And... Now, the like the 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 TMNT movie that just came out recently, the one where they just went like everyone took acid when they did the character design. <laughs> that April O'Neil was black, but she, yeah, she had glasses, but she was still an appealing character visually. I didn't see that one. Um, I that tried the not Michael to Bay one? The, the designs just bugged the shit out of me. Was that Michael Bay with the crazy? No, no, not Michael Bay. Um, so you're talking about the rise of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Yeah, yeah. Um, Honestly, that's that's one of my that that's one of my favorite incarnations of them so far. But I'm just saying, in terms Is that of that animated, the, yeah, yep. animated. The way they did April O'Neil there, that's fine. She still looked like a person who would be in front of a camera as a reporter. But it just, I don't like the size differences on that one. Yeah, that, that one bugs like me with the, the turtles things. that are monstrous and then tiny and yeah. But anyways, that the, the turtle designs aside. Okay, her character design, it's like, okay, if that's what they were going with, yeah, I would still take the glasses off, but but yeah, when when, when you and... look at the original design, even the black and white design, so you had a, a woman with, with black tight curly hair, and you know, didn't dress like she she pulled her clothing out of a dumpster. Um attractive because she's going to be a reporter she's going to be in front of the camera that sort of thing she doesn't have to be wearing the bright yellow jumpsuit with the you know huge amounts of cleavage showing but when i saw the design that they're they're using for this it was just like wow i mean how whoever did the design i think they were like well i'm just going to make the ugliest fucking design i can and went holy shit they approved it and it was just I like, really liked the original Team and T movie, the live action one. Um, how do you say her name? Judith Hoke, who played April O'Neil. I thought that was a great 
character. It wasn't bad. Him. I didn't like Megan I, Fox as April O'Neil. Um, mainly because I, I think Megan Fox is struggling to have three brain cells to rub together. Um, but yeah, I was just when I saw this design, I'm like, I was just like, it's almost not someone's like, oh, I have a woke, a woke agenda. It's more like someone having a, a knife to grind or an axe to grind against the character design or the character itself. And it's just like, well, it's just, yeah, I was just like, come on. You got to take some some responsibility in these designs. You got to see where the design, the original design came from that Eastman and Laird had. Look through the progression and say, all right, where's a logical way this character is going to go and look? And it was like this person said, you know, fuck it. I'm just going to kind of come up with shit out of my head and I'm angry. And they, yeah, she should not look like someone who's supposed to be behind the camera as opposed to someone who's supposed to be in front of the camera. That's my my two cents. Yeah, I'm curious how all that was approved and designed and Yeah. Yeah, it's just oh, well. it's, it's 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 not it doesn't make me a happy camper. I mean, I don't care about the whole, you know, the, the, if, so if Magic's doing Lord of the Rings and they're they're swapping out Aragon to be a black man or or have black hobbits. Frankly, I look at it as that was written so long ago in a different age when honestly if you weren't a white, rich, old man, you didn't get a, a voice anywhere. Not a whole lot has changed since then, but it's not going to be like, it's not going to chap my ass that they, they decide. I disagree to... with that statement. But... See, it, it's, I look at it as, it's not chap my ass that Magic has done this, you know, mainly because A, I don't really play Magic. Um, I don't have a whole lot of, and now that I find out they have like Transformers and Street Fighter and all this other garbage, I'm even less inclined. Yeah, to me, it's just a continuation of this whole thing that's been just grinding at me for a while where every now and then you get a Nick Fury that's done well. And, but for the most part, it seems to be just, you know, again, you're flipping the coin, changing things around. If you want to do that, if you, as an Elseworlds, if you want to do a reboot somehow, if you want to do a reinterpretation, there's certain ways to do it. But if you're going to stay to the lore and stay true to what was written, especially by the authors, because in my opinion, it's a huge disrespect for the people who actually crafted these stories and crafted these universes because they made these characters and that's their legacy and that you have a bunch of hacks with no talent who can't come up with their own stories just coming in and shitting all over something that somebody made that's their legacy. It just grinds me. It makes me sad. See, for me, again, if I were to play Magic Gathering and I'm going to be a wizard summoning shit, you can summon Chun-Li, you can summon Optimus Prime, fuck y'all, I'm summoning Cthulhu and blasting the fucking field flat. It's mine. Fuck you all. That'd be a cool card. Yeah, so that's that's the way I look at it. So, I mean, oh, I'm going to summon Ryu. Ooh, I'm going to summon Bumblebee. I'm going to summon a fucking Elder God where we're just figments of his dream. And when he wakes up, we all die. Come at me, bitch. I endorse Bumblebee. that. So, yeah, so that's that's... So I'm I'm not worried about Lord of the Rings and Magic the Gathering. It's it's you know that's fine. I it's not a big deal for me. I'm curious to see if there's going to be any blowback. Um, there probably is going to be. There's going to people be on both sides of it. People saying I'm finally being. I feel like I'm being represented in some way. And other people saying, Well, you're you're messing around with the classics, man. Don't you know it's Hendrix. It's, and that it's okay. Classics. And that's the exact narrative. Okay, that's the whole narrative that's been going on. And that has been like the two-sided argument. And I'm curious just to see how this all plays out. Yeah, for me, it's, it's interesting. I look at it as there's more, more coins in your pocket. 
fight over something else. And fight over me, something that matters. Okay, my ultimate sort of stoic philosophy and all this kind of stuff is the original always exists. The next generation can take these properties and crap all over it. But as long as the original exists, it's like well, I don't have to watch the next TMNT movie. I don't have to watch whatever Star Wars reboot comes through. You know, it doesn't matter as long as those originals still exist. And I think, honestly, from what I've heard, even comic book stores, they're getting more sales and back issues these days than new stuff. That's I, I find that's great. So I'm going to do a little sidestep here because uh, so today um, I was at Taekwondo. They were doing board breaking and whatnot. And one of my friends there saw Shazam Fury of the Gods last night. And he normally does not give positive ratings to films. Um, like to give you an example, he thought Endgame was mediocre. Like okay. he's, it is really hard to get him to like a film. And he sees a lot, like as he put it, he's got a lot of time on his hands. So he, he sees, you know, a, most films that are coming out, he will see them in the theaters. COVID was difficult for him because it was like, I, I, I want to get back to finish. I don't want to watch it at home because he's got a small TV at home. He's like, this is not how I watch films. I watch them in the theater. So he's got one of the regal passes where you can watch any movie as many times as you like sort of thing. And I would say he uses that regal card enough that I think regal would be regretting it because he sees enough movies for everyone else too. Um, I honestly think he goes to the movies almost nightly. Like that's a lot of films. So join the podcast. Uh, maybe, but his review of Shazam Fury of the Gods. Why the fuck are you here and not going to see it right now? That was the first thing he said to me this morning. Why are you mm. here? You should be in the theater watching this movie. If you like the first Shazam, you should be in the theater right now, not wasting your time right here. That was his first comment. I'm like, wow. So you liked it. He's like, I'm seeing it again tonight. I'm like, okay. He's like, I'm actually putting another film off to see it again tonight. So I was like, so I guess he liked it. I heard that Henry Cavill was supposed to be in it, but it, the director didn't let them. Well, it's what he put it is there's a lot of spots where there could have been easily a cameo inserted, but not. There are a fair number of cameos in it to begin with. Is um, it true Gal Gadot's in it? Yes. Um, he already spoiled that for me because he I, I was like, so what makes it so great? And he launched into a good 20 minute review of the film. Um, well, I'm not going to go into de great detail, but Billy Batson dies and Gal Gadot as Wonder Woman brings him back because she's, you know, from the as terrible as well, as, as terrible as the second Wonder Woman film is the first one kind of explained that she because she was made from clay and brought to life from the power of Zeus, she in essence has the power of all the gods as the gods died out their powers went to her. That's why she's so powerful. So when she shows up in this film, she uses some of her power to um, rebuild the wizard staff. And they use that to bring Billy back. Um, and he's been dreaming of her the whole time, by the way, like throughout the film, he's been dreaming of her. Who is uh, Billy Batson has been dreaming of, of wonder woman, not realizing why anyways. So there's that. Um, there's a whole thing with, Amanda Waller's crew shows up to try to recruit him. And he's like, screw that. I'm he, she, she wants him to join the justice side. He's like, I'll join 
the authority society first before he joins the justice side, which is a nice little like, you know, Easter egg drop for anyone who who knows about the authority society. And the fact um, that it's been greenlit by James yeah. Gunn. And in another post credit scene, do you remember in the at the end of the first film, the, the post credit scene where you've got the little uh, Mr. Mind talks to the guy who had all the, the, the demon sins, but it was like the little worm that's stuck in prison. Did you see that? No, I don't remember it. Well, they revisit again and Silva is still in there with Mr. Mind and they're both frustrated because they can't enact their plan to get the revenge on Billy Batson and Shazam. Um, so yeah, it was just a, I guess he said it was just a nice little callback to the very first film with the original actors to do this. Cause they, he said it was just a nice little way of tying it all together. He wasn't as happy with the Shazam. What's he called? The Shaz family, Shaz family, whatever. However, he knows how to say it anyway. Um, because he said the Shazam family, but yeah. So he just he said they kept getting powered and depowered left and right, apparently for no reason. But then it all worked out. He wasn't really fond of the fact that um the older sister, her Shazam form is the exact same actress. He said there should still have been. Okay. Because the Shazam form is supposed to be the physical epitome of that person. So that's why, like Billy Batson, if you know, he had proper nutrition and exercise and yada yada yada, his final physical perfection form would be the Zachary Levi form as Shazam. That's the same with all the kids. And he's like, You so you're saying this girl, just because she's like 18 or whatever, this is her Shazam form. She's at her physical pinnacle. It just didn't make make sense. They should have got the original actress who was her in the other film because he said that would have been it would have worked out better. Anyways, yeah, he gave it glowing reviews. He said Helen Mirren, like just fucking slayed in this film, um, as well as Lucy Liu. He said the pair of them were just awesome. So yeah, based on his review alone, now I want to go see it because I'm like, this is a guy who sees a lot of movies hates a lot of movies and his first comment was why the hell are you wasting your time here when you should be going to see this movie so what did you okay first of all what did he think of the first shazam movie it was okay okay that was his his cover first movie's okay so gavin what did you think of the first shazam movie i enjoyed it um i thought um i thought it was one of the first good DC movies in quite a while. I agree. I agree. Um, uh, it basically, like, in the sea of basically the mediocrity that uh, was that being pumped out. Why did you say, Martha? Did we just become best friends? Yep. They <laughs> just, it just felt like it was, it was, it was a breath, a breath of fresh air. It was something. It was, it was fun. It didn't take itself super seriously. It was, it was, uh, you know, do you remember that whole thing back when the DC heads were basically saying, oh, we can't be like Marvel. No jokes. No jokes. No jokes. And Everything has to like, be dark and gritty. Oh, this is, yeah. And this is what you get when it's dark and gritty. Okay. Yeah. And then you have but the fight Shazam in the mall scene where he's running through the toy store and he grabs the, the big, the, the giant toy of Batman. Get him, Batman. <laughs> and then keeps running. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it, it it was it was enjoyable. Um, it's it's funny actually. Um, do you remember uh, Elizabeth Hurlbut from uh, Sheridan College? Mm-hmm. She uh, she put a she she posted that she had seen the uh, the second one in the theaters, and 
uh, I was like, she 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 quite liked it, and uh, so I I I commented on on her post. I said, so uh, Amanda does really not like DC. She enjoyed Shazam, but basically the slew of uh, following DC movies essentially poisoned her entire de desire uh, to live. Well, at least to watch uh, any any further DC movies. So would she enjoy this? if she liked the first Shazam and it was pretty much a resounding yes. And that's good to hear because I enjoyed watching the first Shazam. I thought yeah. there's a lot of story stuff they could have done different. I thought they made it a little bit more goofy than they needed to. I would have liked that they stuck to the comic book vibe a little bit more. All that said, like we had fun. It was a fun family movie. Yeah. Like I'd knock it up to an okay or a pretty good. Okay. Yeah, yeah, better than the Justice League and Dawn of Justice and garbage therein. Shazam for DC films is runs on the higher end of what DC has has to offer. I would rather Shazam watch Shazam before I watch any of the like Man of Steel or Dawn of Justice, any of that crap, any of the Zack Snyder shit. I would rather watch Shazam first. And speaking of all that crap, did you hear that Ben Affleck will not work with DC again? Well, that came him. out in an interview because I think James Gunn said, you know, he's going to reach out to all the old crew and the old cast and, you know, maybe we can find a spot for you or maybe we can do something. And yeah, Ben Affleck is like, there's no way in hell I'm going back to that. Well, I just look at it as, I mean, when you go online, especially on Facebook, and you have all those, the little Snyder wannabe assholes or just oh, sell it to Netflix. And I just want to feed them into like a, a giant cheese grater. Okay, and just so they're this... done. Like, oh man, like, DC has moved on. Snyder has moved on. These people have not. This is something that amazes me. Like, if anybody out there is part of the Snyderverse fans, like chime in in the comments somehow. Let me know. Like, just I don't know what you think. What's motivating all this? Because I know. Okay, DC fans are pretty hardcore, and the people who like the stuff are. No, hardcore about it, and I get it, but I didn't see anything in the Snyderverse that I liked at all. So I'm curious, like the people that are holding on to that, like is this just Russian bots or is this I, I don't like, know. an actual movement of people who are hardcore fans? And if there are hardcore fans, I'm curious, like, like why? How, why? That's my biggest question. Is you know, this constant thing of like, oh, sell it to Netflix or, or or sell it to this or do it to that. or And it's like none of these companies have any interest because it doesn't have a good track record. Um, And I've I've made the opinion well known. I am not a fan of Snyder's writing, nor his directing, nor his ideas. His ideas are poorly thought out. I mean, everyone, oh, he got a zombie film because well, that was off the strength of remaking somebody else's film. When he got the chance to do his own film, he had plot holes so large the whole film kind of got swallowed into it. How the fuck are you going to fill $200 million into a helicopter that can't lift half that weight? Where's anyone going to sit? Are they going to hang off the fucking rotors like like blinking light? It always comes back to that helicopter. Yeah, it does. It, it was a major plot point in the film. Anyone with two minutes and an internet connection could have found that flaw. That easy. It was an easy fix, easy fix, turn into gems that you're stealing. Gems can be any weight, any size, any value. But nope, nope, 200 million in cash, 
fit in a helicopter that A, it's not going to fit, and B, no one's going to have, it's not going to be able to lift off the ground. Anyways, I find when he's given his own resources to go his own way, it ends up being a 12-year-old, you know, jack-off fantasy. Ooh, let's have, let's have Spider-Man, or let's have Superman kill. Let's have Batman use guns. Like, do you even read the fucking source material that you're supposed to be doing? Obviously This gets not. back into my Lord of the Rings comment. If you want to do that, make your own character. Because but, that's not Batman yeah, and that's not Superman. So right like, now, Stop wrecking the lore. So, it makes me insane. So right now, trending on, on Facebook is the fact that the 18th and 19th of March, today and tomorrow, are the one year or second year anniversary of the Snyder Cut. I don't fucking care. It was four hours long. It was way too long. It was a mishmash of crap. Some of the effects were better, but that's about it. There's no reason to reignite the Snyderverse. It's done. It's dead. It's over. Get over it. If you're a Snyder fan, you want to comment like I'm wrong. Tell me why I'm wrong. Tell me why you're such a fervent follower of Snyder. What what is what about what about his his films just keeps you up at night and makes you want to watch actually, this shit. Uh, like honestly i would really like to hear uh yeah i'd like to hear someone tell me like, why they why. think snyder is such a great director and his films are so good like tell me tell me what it is about his stuff that seemingly has all the push fish hooks in you and is dragging you forward because i did like watchmen until he wrecked the ending that's just it again if it's someone else is writing it i mean he, he seems to be able to do a pretty good job of it but when he injects his own shit into it it kind of falls apart and then when given his own film it's just trash so yeah. yeah and as far as the new dcu i'm am starting to get kind of concerned with all the story points coming out and it seems like it's uh, well, I'm looking at superman it as, and an older batman again and it's kind of all the stuff that they're telling us until it hits the screen is just conjecture yeah you know james gunn is doing his thing He's not going to give away all the secrets of what he's doing. He's probably going to throw some misinformation out there just to keep people, you know, people are starting to get close. He'll throw a, a little seed of misinformation and get them off the path. That's fine. I'd rather not know everything about it before I sit my ass in the seat and watch the first film. But I feel like they're jumping into the future when they should be. If they're doing a hard reset, like I want to see a Dick Grayson as a proper Robin. I want to see... Uh, you know, a year two Batman, year two Superman. Yeah, it's... that kind of time frame, like where the the characters are kind of established, but it's the early years that can build to something. Not, I don't want to see a Damian Wayne. I'm just not interested in that. Yeah. So, so, and I'm also curious how the Guardians three is going to be. Admits yeah. the way the whole Marvel universe is going with this phase five and the way all the controversy with Henry Cavill and James Gunn and DC and like, it's going to be interesting. Like I just as a viewer watching pop culture from the sidelines, mm -hmm. I'm curious to see what's going to happen. Well, I mean, and my, my thought here is in James Gunn, we trust. I hope yeah, so. He hasn't, he hasn't, he hasn't done a, done a stinker yet. I did like peacemaker. Like, even though he went way off the script as far as the comic, I thought it was fun. 
Suicide Squad, at least, at least the new one, uh, I could not convince Amanda to see it for the life of her. But I, when I did watch it, I I quite it enjoyed fun. it. It was it was it, it played to James Gunn's strength. He he does ensemble casts. He takes like weird no ideas. He does his own he, take on it. But that's the thing where he because he does his own take. How is he going to handle you know the DC Trinity? How is he going to handle Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman? I, I is I'm he going to do a weird? Because he loves the angry dad thing too. Yeah, or like the bad dads. Now I'm going to do a quick thing of I think if instead of handing over the Suicide Squad to David Ayer first, if they had given it to Gunn, the one with Will Smith would have been a far better film. Oh, by far. Yeah, um, I agree. I think the biggest problem with the first Suicide Squad was they made the villain one of the members of the Suicide Squad to begin with. Like it kind of, you know, it's it's like, hey, we got this 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 team. And by the way, don't trust the girl on the end because she's going to be the person we're fighting. And, you know, it, it's it's like they couldn't come up with a villain. Really? You couldn't come up with a villain that the Suicide Squad's supposed to go after? Well, because the Suicide Squad got, be a, cool. got a giant starfish. First Suicide Squad, you got one of your own to fight. That just that one it was just like someone dropped the ball. They're like, uh, uh, who's, who's, the, who's the villain going to be? Uh, and there's still the backstabbing intrigue in the second one in James yeah. Guns. Yeah, so it was just... her killing what's his name, Flag and Amanda Waller, you know, the mutiny against her, and like there was stuff going on. Yeah. And you got a starfish, which is cool. Yeah. So I was just like, it was it just felt like someone of the story final story being like, All right, who's our big bad gonna be? And they turned to every, like they turned to whoever the script writer was, and he was like, uh uh enchantress because he, he misheard the question it's just like when i was working on caillou and they were like oh caillou's caillou's got hair and the one producer's like no caillou's bald he was referring to the first season second season they were referring to in the future and they're like oh well i guess caillou's bald misinformation but they got it made and then probably the guy was like no no i i was answering the question who's the chick with the magic not who's gonna be the all right fine fucker i got my paycheck that's what it felt like yeah yeah you don't do shit like that where you're like, ooh, we're going to have some member of their own team be the big trader. You do that in like the second film or the third film. Not the very first one. So, yeah. Unless you still have a really big villain. Yeah, yeah. But they, they didn't. They really didn't. And that's I think that's why the, the, this first Suicide Squad was just so terrible. But I think if it had been handed to James Gunn, he would have, A, recognized that fault and fixed it with a giant starfish. And B, it would have been a good film. And then you could have more sequels of the Suicide Squad because you can constantly be rolling members in and out. I mean, you just pull them from Belle Reve and they get if they get killed, well, we'll just replace you with someone else. So, yeah. yeah. So, uh, to, to segue from, uh, from uh, James Gunn's ensemble casts, uh, I've uh, I've been reading a few uh, non-spoiler reviews on uh, Honor Among Thieves, the Dungeons and Dragons movie, mm-hmm. uh, with Chris Pine, and uh, I mean, I I think we have some very vivid memories of just how awful the first and second Dungeons and Dragons movies were. I, I they I were they were they were so them. bad. They I, were I terrible. Really do. I really I didn't watch them. If I did, I blocked them out of my memory. I have tried to scrub my memory so hard to take those out. Jeremy Irons, for a while there, I I couldn't remember he was actually an actor because I'd scrubbed so hard. Um, 
Yeah, well, like he was the only good thing about that one movie. No, he wasn't. Chewed through the scenes and relished it. But that said, that that left a terrible taste in people's mouths. So the uh, the general uh, buzz about it is the people who've seen it have uh, and have written spoiler free reviews. I've basically said it's basically Guardians of the Galaxy meets uh, uh, Lord of the Rings, essentially. The, uh, the there's tons of Easter eggs if you're if you've ever played Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, the the camaraderie between them, the the banter back and forth, is very James Gunn, very Guardians of the Galaxy, and uh, they they've clearly learned a f- quite a bit. Uh, the director himself and the and the writers they actually played D and D, which actually makes sense why it actually starts feeling more like what like this it from what uh, they've been t- they I've been reading it sounds like we're just jumping in with uh like uh the this party mid adventure uh they're they're experienced they they have a have an idea what they're doing and now we get to see their hijinks hey gavin do you, you want me to crush your soul a little yes. bit here there wasn't two dungeon you... films there were three. And now this new one is considered a full reboot. But there were three. Yes. 2000. Oh, I, did, I didn't even know that. Okay. That's like getting the rope, tying the noose, putting it around your head, and you're like, no, no, it's okay. No, let's go tighter. No, no, it's okay. Let's go tighter. And then they're like, hey, we're going to reboot. It. Like, maybe I can take this off. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, there Wizards was- of the Coast, like the. The, the uh, I I don't know if you guys have been following the politics, but apparently they they the uh, the new play test for what is essentially going to be sixth edition Dungeons and Dragons, D and D one re uh, renamed in D and D one yeah, so there was some uh, some ver- some some uh, stuff written in the open license, which would basically made it sound like Wizard Wizard of the Coast was basically saying, yeah, if you uh, if you sell enough of this stuff, we reserve the right to print it ourselves, and you don't actually own any of this, blah blah blah. And a lot of people got super Wait, what are we talking off. about? What uh, they own? a lot of them. So Wizards of the Coast had this whole uh, thing. Wizard... So there was this thing where it's a right to use their material to make your own material. So. What oh, they wanted to do basically. was people who like would make their own like realms and guidebooks and shit like that. If you made over a certain amount of money, Wizards of the Coast says, well, retroactively, you owe us this much money. So and how would this yeah. be made? Is this like if you print it or publish it? or If you printed or published or anything what? and sold it. So they're saying companies that made over $750,000 in their materials would owe like some ridiculous percentage back and it was retroactively so as an example um uh, this is the this is the pathfinder uh done basically fantasy role-playing okay. game, uh that that i'm holding in my hand for as a visual for listeners which i never seem to do um this was made using the open license uh for for version 3.5 or so three and 3.5 okay. of Dungeons and dragons so essentially, anyone can use it free of charge with their own and add to their own stuff in it. They just can't use anything that was that's not part of this agreement. Yeah. However, Pathfinder 
has proven to be in a very a very successful uh, brand of uh, Dungeons and Dragons. In fact, uh, Critical Role, the uh, you know the with Matt Mercer and all all those guys, the podcast that got turned into a cartoon on uh, Amazon. Uh, they um, they started with Pathfinder before switching over to to fifth edition Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah. So what this basically means is if they did Pathfinder 3.0 based on the the, the one D and D open license, if they sold enough, then they owe Wizard of the Coast money. Yeah. So, so people just it was the, lost it was their the shit. called the OGL it was like an open gaming license and basically said you can create stuff, you can publish stuff, you can make money off stuff, but the new one, the 1.1 said, well, if you do that, you will lose money. And it was such a blatant cash grab on the part of Wizards of the Coast. Well, not really. It was Hasbro. It was a cat because they were the one that handed that mandate down that, well, if these people are making millions of dollars, that's money that's owed to us. They wanted a, a big slice and not just a slice of the pie. They wanted like an enormous slice of that pie. And it was all based on on your revenue. So if you were making ten thousand dollars. You're a small fish. If you're making fifty thousand, well, maybe you know you might owe them a couple thousand. If you're making over seven hundred and fifty thousand euro, then you owe a large slice of that pie. And they're also pushing it forward to be a, a retroactive payment. So not like oh well, for this year you you made a million dollars, so you owe us two hundred thousand. It's like oh well, year previous you made five million, so that you owe us a million. And the year previous to that you made five million, so that's another million. So you have to write us a check for two and a half million dollars right now. And of course, yeah, a lot of people, fuck it, we'll just drop what we have. You get nothing, and we'll just go on our merry little way. So Hasbro has since had Wizard of the Coast kind of back steps. Like, no, 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 we're not doing this. But they killed a lot of the trust that was between these various companies. Like, as Gavin has mentioned, some of those companies are like, we're not dealing with, with Wizards of the Coast anymore. We're just going on our own way with our own system. You can launch D&D 1 fine go fuck yourselves go choke go choke on it because we're not gonna have anything to do with it and a lot of people are like well then i'm not gonna play dnd i'll i'll play pathfinder i'll play something else wow um, or just play fifth edition because it's still out there there's nothing yeah. wrong with it yeah wow. perfectly fine so it's it's a case of companies getting it's like ea with the microtransactions when everything was a microtransaction and then they got nailed for the whole gambling issue of like the, the you know, you can get this skin if you put in 40 plus hours or if you pay five bucks, there's a chance you could get it. Mm-hmm. And a lot of like Germany was like, that's gambling. And you have underage kids gambling. That's illegal. So, yeah, micro, or EA got slapped on the hands with micro, you know, microtransactions. Okay. Woods of the Coast got slapped down when they got decided to get a little bit greedy. Oh yeah, the uh, the whole D and D Beyond, which was of course purchased, mm-hmm. uh, it's it's a bit of a cash cow for them, and uh, gamers quit by droves. Yeah, or just drop it like they just they just canceled their subscription, and Wizard of Co- Wizard of Coast basically said said to Hasbro, uh, uh, "Look, this is what's happening." Yeah. And so that's when they had to get all the lawyers back involved and basically uh, do a, do the uh, the most backpedaling I think I've ever seen anyone do. Yeah. A couple uh, of Texas two steps. Skills like that, they could probably outrun bullets. Well, right now they're they're stating that the release of D and D one, which is like sixth edition, if it continues tracking at the same rate it's tracking now, they're going to make less than a fifth of what they projected. 
which basically wow. put a huge hole in Hasbro. Um, so they have to fix their public image as fast as they can and as thoroughly as they can. So when they do release D and D one, people are actually going to line up and buy it and not just say, eh, "Fuck it, I got the I got the fifth edition books is good enough." These guys' stories are so interesting because the companies will try and you know spin the story as being toxic fandom or yeah. whatever. Well, else. that was just it. But they immediately said, "Well, people are taking this out of context." And on YouTube, there were a lot of content creators who would have been affected by this that said, "All right, let's I'll open the books. I'll spell it exactly out how the system is now, how the system they want it to change, and what that what effect that has on me." And one of the guys, um, God, I can't remember his name. He basically, yeah, he opened his books on his on the YouTube video and said, "All right, this is how much I made last year. If this a new agreement goes through, this is how much I owe Wizards of the Coast or Hasbro directly for money that I made last year, not this year, last year, and for what? You know, it's." They just didn't get a big enough piece of the pie from their yeah. own stuff. Especially when it is an open license. Yeah, that was just so, it. He said, the this is like a Darth open. Vader dick move. Yeah, it would be something like, you know, like like Blender or Gimp saying, oh, shit, we should have been making money this whole time. Anyone who has Gimp or Blender on your home system, you need to pay us $1,000 at least. If you've done anything, any sort of commercial project, make it $20,000. Yeah. You know, it's an open license for a reason. Like like someone saying, oh, you got Linux on your computer? Uh, we're going to charge you $500 a year for every year you've had it on your system. Uh, just send us a check. Or else we're going to come kick your computer. Like, yeah. Oh, we're we're going to tilt your tower over and let it drop on the floor. Like shit like that. Like that's in essence what this was. It was like, well, where, where's, the, out, boys. where's the O part of OGL where it says open if you want to make it a closed license, closed gaming license, say so. Don't say, oh, OGL 1.1 says you owe us money. Well, Austin 316 says I just kicked your ass. So, same idea. So, yeah. That's fascinating. Yeah, don't piss off gamers. Don't. Gamers are hardcore. It's, it's a bigger group of people than you really think. Like, it really is. It's it's funny. So, Mayor has some, some uh, uh, med students... They're making their own game, right? Like they're 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 starting their own camp D and D campaign, um, and she even said, "Well, you know, Trevor's running a, and Trevor's running a game." And and the one guy Lyman is like, "Well, can I talk to him because I've never DM before, so I'd like some 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 tips and stuff." And so we've exchanged numbers and stuff like that. So if you know, whenever he texts, I'll you know, if he's got a question, I'll answer it. Then no, no problem with that. I have no problem growing the gaming community. That's fun. I mean, I got my my daughters and and my niece and nephew involved. And mayor's involved, so there you go. You know, let's grow this further. Yeah. Um, the last thing I have to talk about is Baruto. Do you guys have me. anything else? Hit me. I got a couple things. I got nothing. Hit me. All right. So Baruto, last episode. Okay, we're getting into the end game now with this whole series. The previous episode ended with Baruto activating his karma. He was gonna protect his adopted brother Kawaki from code and so as soon as that karma got activated he's like in beast mode so they went to war back in the leaf village that Naruto finally figured out what was going on they figured out where the boys took off to so Boruto or Naruto is about to go save Boruto 
out in the forest, but because Kurama was dead, the nine-tailed fox, so he doesn't have that nine-tailed beast inside him anymore. So he's basically been nerfed, but he still has all the other stuff he's learned through the original Naruto series. And um, his wife, Hinata, was like, I'm going with you, and which is a callback to the pain arc where she basically gets killed to save Naruto from pain. And he's like, no, no, you stay home with our daughter. And his daughter's all worried. It's like, hey, have you forgotten who your dad is? And he goes into sage mode. And he's got his two shadow clones absorbing karma. And that moment like brought a tear to my eye. Literally, I was just like, oh my God, that's so sweet. Because it just harkens back to all these classic story moments. And again, this is a testament to good writing. So and one thing with sage mode is you have to generate the chakra and you can basically burn yourself out really fast. But because Naruto is good at shadow clones, he basically makes two shadow clones that just meditate the whole time and absorb chakra. So it's like he's got extra battery packs. So if he burns through all his chakra, he just brings another shadow clone in and recharges. So that's cool. And I'm curious to see where that's going to go to. But back in the forest, the fight with Boruto and Code. So he wants to sacrifice Boruto to the Tentail so that they can bring the um, whatever, the divine tree and basically suck all life from the planet. And he's like, you fools, like everybody's dead. Everyone's going to die. It doesn't matter. But then because Boruto has, he's a vessel for the Otsutsuki. And so Momoshiki's inside of him. And suddenly time stops and everything's frozen in the middle of this fight. And Momoshiki's like, switch with me, boy. And then next thing we cut to Boruto, he's got the horn growing out of his head. And Momoshiki's talking through him. It's like, oh, you thought you could kill me? And then, you know, you know Rasengan. He makes this gigantic, almost planet-sized energy bolt and just launches it. And that's where we end off. And now this episode wasn't all the top animators yet. But tomorrow morning, yeah, shit's about to hit the fan. And things are about to get insane. And I can't wait. Such a good series. <laughs> and we're getting close to the um, the time skip. My son was looking at, there's some spoilers for the manga that just came out. And a whole bunch of things were released in this next story arc. And yeah, everything's about to cut to that very first scene in the very first episode of Boruto. So I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> like I said last week, I've got Picard and I've got Boruto. Two of the best sequel series in all of history. I get to enjoy them both. Good time to be a fan. Good time for entertainment. It is. It is. All right. I'm just so what have you guys got? Gav, anything? Or you're all done? I think I'm done. Uh, although I, I did just uh, pick up a, a new model kit. Gradius uh, Vic Viper. So... I'll be building this at some point. Okay, well, we're talking about weird nerd stuff. Did you finally what put it together? Never think about Skylinks. Oh God! Hi. That's a character ah. I always hated in original G One, and then I saw this thing. I was like, I don't know. It's kind of cool. I have to have it. Which uh, which version is that? Oh geez, I forget the name of it. Is it a is it a third party? It's a third party. Yeah. So okay. Quick question, Mike. What episode number is Bruto at right now? Oh, geez. Like 291. Let me check. 
Yeah, 291 was the last one, and tomorrow morning is 292. All right. Just just checking. Um, last thing that my last thoughts, notes, whatever. Uh I don't know where I put it. Anyways, um, so I was looking up upcoming films and basically going yay or nay. Uh, there's a couple coming out. Like I don't have Apple Plus, the the Apple TV. There is an upcoming uh, movie based off of Tetris, where it's how Nintendo got the rights for Tetris in time for the Game Boy. Oh, okay. And it's, they made an actual Tetris movie with blocks falling from the air. Right? No, no, no. The the the, the guy they... who was uh, in uh, who's playing Kingsman. the L block. Uh, yeah, who plays the no? But the guy who was in uh, the Kingsman, uh, Taron Egerton. He plays the guy who went to Russia to secure the rights to Tetris so that Nintendo could encode it and it would be the first game shipped with the very first Game Boy. And the trailer for it looks amazing. It comes out at the end of this month and I'm like, I'm almost considering to getting an Apple TV Plus subscription just to watch that damn film. That's called the Tetris movie? It's just called Tetris. So watch the trailer as it's 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 engaging enough that it's like ooh this is kind of something i'd like to see so yeah there's 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 a, there's a bunch of films coming up um that are kind of off the beaten path like in i think in april uh paint with owen wilson's basically a kind of a a riff on the whole bob ross thing um which is interesting cuz i when we were in the poconos we watched the 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 bob ross documentary on netflix which it's hard to watch when you realize just how much got stripped away from that man and and by you know his sons and his half brother when he passed away like his son and half brother make no money off of bob ross merchandise nothing it's this other couple that own everything the bob ross company is their or bob ross inc is their company so any paints any books any you know subsidies from the TV shows or that, that's all money going into their coffers, and it's mm. such a hard thing. So this this upcoming movie called Paint, it's an IFC film with Owen Wilson is kind of like the the curly haired Bob Ross esque. It looked kind of funny. Um, I've just been watching a bunch of trailers for stuff coming up. To see, like I'll go through a list of movies coming out in twenty twenty three. Like, oh, well, let's see if there's a trailer for this. Oh, let's see if there's a trailer for this. Sometimes you run into some gems. There's a lot of crap. But occasionally you'll find a gem. So those yeah. are the kind of movies I find I've been kind of gravitating towards. If it's going to be a big blockbuster tentpole event, it's got to be done pretty well. But yeah, like I said last year, it was weird and triple R were the ones that were my highlights. Yeah. So these kind of weird, interesting documentary type story things, I find them fascinating. Yeah. So if you're going to watch a couple of trailers, as I said, Take a look at Tetris. See what if if, if it sparks your interest. Because for me, it was just like, ooh, because I'm as a kid, I remember playing so much Tetris. I remember going to sleep and having dreams of moving blocks down because it was stuck mm -hmm. in my head. I would wake up at like three in the morning, like, I got it. How do I get this out of my head so I can get a good a dream that's not about Tetris? Yeah. I, I just like, brought the trailer up right now, and it's neat seeing that. Like all the communist Russia imagery and all this kind of stuff. Yeah, because the, the game was developed in, in Russia and it was a f right around the fall of the Iron Curtain. And yeah, it's such, it looks like it's such a fun movie. So I kind of want to see it. I really do. It looks uh, interesting. Yeah. And it's the, the, the hurdles he had to face to get the rights to Tetris, especially in time for the Game Boy launch. Because that was a, the game that came with the Game Boy and that's 
people went nuts for that. I remember, God, I remember in school, people, like, you'd see, like, a row of people sitting down on Game Boys, all playing Tetris, calling out what level they're on. Like, it was just, it was crazy. And then I had it for my Nintendo, and I was just like, for two weeks, I played it every day, and then I was having Tetris dreams, and I went cold turkey. I'm like, I gotta get these, I gotta get it out of my head. I have to. It's killing me. <laughs> yeah, and people were doing studies on it and found out that women are, are naturally better at Tetris than men. It's just the way they think and organize. Tetris just seems to click with a lot of women and they're you know i'm like hey i'm on level seven they're like is that right that's a fact that's a fact because it was normally like normally males are better at spatial recognition type of talents so that's interesting yeah it was it was such a it was it was a whole thing about uh, i remember like long ago watching it and it was like they tested it was a wide group of people and women just seem to naturally be better at Tetris than men. And this was people who played the game previous, people who've never played it before. Um, but they also use it to for helping with trauma. Um, you know, Tetris can help reduce intrusive memories of a traumatic event. Um, so yeah, it's there's a whole bunch of of these different studies done of the psychological effects of Tetris. And yeah. And so when I played against my mom, she would regularly kick the shit out of me playing Tetris. Like it was just like, hey, I'm on level, I'm on level nine. And she's like, yeah, level 21. I'm like, we've been playing the same amount of time. How the hell are you so far ahead? And she's like, I'm oh, just better at it than you are. Yeah. It's just a quick Google search. So this is, you know, very surface level research. Yeah. But um, it is saying that it, appeals to women because it's that sort of sorting organizing sorting organizing getting a neat set yeah so i didn't see anything yet that says that they're better at it but it definitely like they're interested in it and yeah. again you know like the male power fantasy shooter games and beat the crap out of people i okay i get it that doesn't appeal to the female brain but um yeah solving pro puzzles organizing it makes sense. Yeah. I'll so, do some more deep research, but but it's, it's pretty cool. So, so when I saw this, that there's a Tetris movie, I was like, Ooh, yeah, I played Tetris a lot. Uh, I still do it from time to time. I have it on like, an app on my phone. So I saw that. And I was like, that's maybe something I want to see. And they're like, only on Apple plus. I'm like, Sons of bitches. God damn you. I am holding in my hand. The original Tetris cartridge that came with my Game Boy. There you go. Which I, which somebody borrowed, my borrowed my Game Boy, and then claimed they they gave it back to me by setting it on a on a on a table and walking away from it. This was back in 1988, I think, or 89. Mm -hmm. So I never ended up getting a a a, a Game Boy to replace it until uh, what's his name? Uh, Remember Matt? Yeah. Play, uh, he ended up uh, uh, contacting me on on uh, Facebook and said, "Hey, um, I'm looking to get rid of some of my portable systems. Do you uh, do you want to buy them off me?" And I'm like, "Sure, yes, yes, three, I do." Three PS PSPs uh, of uh, uh, PSP one thousand, two thousand, and three thousand. Uh, a a Game Boy Color, this one here, 
Mm-hmm. As well as a Game Boy, uh, uh, the Game Boy SP with the one with the the flip up screen that with the backlight that does it. That's the Game Boy Advance, and uh, I was so excited to finally be able to play my damn copy of Tetris. <laughs> Unfortunately, and I think you guys may well I don't know Trevor, you wear glasses, right? I do. Uh, do you wear uh, bifocals or? No, I have contacts. But when I'm reading, if I have my contacts, I still have to wear reading glasses for my phone. So, yeah, I, I've got I've got the uh, uh, I've got the progressives. So I've got the kind of the, the warping effect as I as I go down. Mm-hmm. It uh, focuses on on uh, closer things, and I'm looking at the Game Boy like I'm just holding it like you know the way I used to, which is about a foot away from my face, and I'm going, that's that's not quite far enough here. Just and honestly, I, Gaff. Gav, just get a set of reading glasses. Like, just take off your reading glasses, put on a set of reading glasses, and you'll be fine. You could do that, or I could wear like magnifying glasses and look like bubbles from Trailer Park Boys. Whatever you want to do, however you want to live your life, that's up to as you. As long as you can play the game, Gavin. Exactly. That's what's important here. Precisely. All right, so I think we're going to wrap up episode seventy-one. Unless Troy has anything to say, Troy. That's a good point, Troy. Anyways. Uh, yeah, unbelievably so, thoughtful. Yeah, it's very insightful. Um, so we're gonna wrap this up, and uh, hope you've been listening and having a good time. I think this one went kind of long, maybe. Who knows? Um, anyways, I think we're gonna do a collective goodbye. You guys ready? Ready. Go. Co- collective goodbye. I better not have Mike. I will come through the screen and beat you silly. Of course you will. Good night, folks. Can't end a podcast. All right. Good night, folks. This has been Geeking Off the Page, a Planet Geek production. Please be sure to subscribe, share, rate, and review. You can find us at our social medias through Facebook, YouTube, and TikTok. Search for Planet Geek Productions. On Instagram and Twitter, Planet Geek Pod. Or you can send us an email at planetgeekpod at gmail.com. So until next that time, same spider channel, may the force be with you, and thanks for tuning in.